Welcome to the Develop Yourself podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software developer by learning to develop yourself, your skills, your network, and more. I'm Brian, your host. You want to be a web developer in 2024. Is it going to be different than becoming a web developer in 2023? Yes. And I'm going to walk you through how I would become a web developer right now if I was starting from scratch, what I'd learn in order how I'd do it, when I'd know that it's enough to move on to the next section, and finally, when I have enough skill to actually go out in the job market and be a viable candidate. Web development and, in general, JavaScript has moved really fast, it feels like, this year. There's been a proliferation of frameworks. Create React app has kind of died out. Next.js has become the new contender. That has brought a whole lot of changes with it, and it's really changed the landscape of how you need to approach becoming a web developer in 2024. It is gonna be different than 2023, no doubt about that, I guarantee that. I think the skills that you're gonna need now are gonna be a tad different, but the core skills and the foundation will remain the same. Anyway, you wanna become a web developer maybe for more money for a career, maybe you just want to, you do it as a hobby and you wanna finally get paid for it like I did. I, I fell in love with coding as a hobby. I also was like, oh, this is a much better job and then I kind of fell into it head first. And here I am, you know, 10 years later, writing code, managing a team of people, and then talking about it to people like you here. So here's where we're going to start. HTML and CSS. I said this 10 years ago, and I'd say this right freaking now. You must learn these things. I don't know why this is even controversial. I said this in a TikTok a while ago. I said, you should learn HTML and CSS before JavaScript. And I thought, yeah, what like a mundane, boring thing to say. Like, of course you should learn that before JavaScript. Some dude actually made a TikTok about me saying that to say, you're wrong, man. You're guiding people down the wrong path. I thought, what are you talking about, dude? Don't listen to those kind of people. HTML and CSS is what you must learn. Why must you learn these things? They're the building blocks of the web. When you go onto a website, I want you to open up the dev tools. Check out underneath the hood what's going on there. It's HTML, it's markup. And there's CSS, the styling that's applied to it. It's, it's the difference between a page looking like Craigslist from 1995 and Airbnb. So yeah, these are things, you can make a really beautiful website and you can honestly even get paid as a web developer or maybe an email developer if you know these things. So how much HTML and CSS do you really need to know? HTML actually has a lot of stuff you could learn. Uh, semantic markup, your basic tags and you know elements that you'll need to construct i would say generally if you can make a page with a form that is responsive making sure it looks good on a big window versus a small window and making sure it sizes down and you have different style properties that happen like when you size the window down like if you look at airbnb or your local newspaper in a mobile view it looks different than a desktop view that's responsive design meaning you have different style rules applied to different widths of the window that you're currently on. Um, making a decent looking page, like if you can look at the homepage of Airbnb and reconstruct that using just HTML and CSS, not any of the, any of the functionality, just making it look kind of the same, right? Can you add fonts? Can you add different types of colors? You know, all the different things that go into making a site look not terrible, right? That I think is a point where you're like, okay, I know enough HTML and CSS to move on because you could spend a lot of time here, right? I think you could go deep into animations if you wanted to with CSS. You could go 
many other routes to the CSS that I don't think is really worth your time at that point. So once you have HTML and CSS, you build a little janky site, right? By the way, you should have Visual Studio Code installed as your editor. I would be using CodePen.io to quickly scaffold and learn things. It's a great place, like a scratch pad, to immediately get something on paper to look at. You want to get a good hang of Visual Studio Code and editor. It is the most common editor. That's the reason I recommend it. Like 80% or something of all developers use it. It's crazy how popular and ubiquitous it is. Like you're going to come across people that use it. And if you're using JavaScript, almost guaranteed you're going to use it. So download Visual Studio Code. Begin writing your code in there. And in addition to just using it, like learn how to format your code. This is one of those weird things that people don't typically talk about, but you need to learn how to actually format your code so it looks decent and that way it has some sort of like consistency to it. Because one of the weirdest things I see is when junior developers are like going for jobs or something and they say, here's my GitHub, and they send you a some sample of their code, it's completely unformatted. And it just like kind of screams, hey, I'm super, super junior, <laughs> which you don't really want. So learn how to format the code using something like Prettier, ESLint, other. So now you have your code editor, you have HTML and CSS down enough. Now it's time to learn a CSS framework. CSS framework is like Bootstrap, Material UI, Tailwind. Tailwind being the cool kid thing that everybody wants to use nowadays. Bootstrap being kind of the old school thing that's still really popular. And Material UI kind of being like, just weird. I'm just not a fan of Material UI. No disrespect to the Material UI team. Amazing work you've done there. Just not my style, man. But what do I know about style? I'm not a designer. So pick one. Um, and if you need to pick one, pick Bootstrap. Simplest thing to learn. And what do you need to learn with Bootstrap? You need to learn columns and the grid system, how to use some of their styling to make your buttons and other components like uh, carousels and stuff look decent. So now you should go back to that old project you did and redo it. And this time use the CSS framework, like Bootstrap or something like that. Get enough so you're like, okay, cool. I see how to do this with regular CSS. Now I see how to do this with Bootstrap. And as a addition, a little side quest, learn how to use Flexbox, CSS Grid, the native implementation for how to make columns and like grid stuff happen in CSS. This is going to take you pretty far and let you know. And it'll... It'll, it'll make it clear what the benefits are of Bootstrap and other frameworks versus using native CSS stuff, right? Okay, now everybody's favorite part. This is the really long portion of your web dev roadmap in 2024, JavaScript. JavaScript is, you're going to be using it, like it or not. It is required for basically every software engineering job out there, whether you're using back-end JavaScript or front-end JavaScript. So now... JavaScript is like an ocean. It's really wide and really deep. You could spend years, decades, forever learning JavaScript, and unfortunately, many people do. They get caught in this terrible learning loop where they're just doing nothing but learning JavaScript. And I feel bad for people because it's really hard to know, like, when is it enough? When do I have enough JavaScript to be dangerous and move on? Because this is really where people get the most stuck, they start learning JavaScript, they go really deep into things like prototypal inheritance and all these conceptual things. I would recommend strongly, you don't get overly caught up in the conceptual parts of JavaScript at this stage, that you instead focus on, how do I make things interactive on the screen, right? You're still in this mindset of, I need immediate feedback, I put something on the screen, I look at it and it looks like something happened. I can tell that my code has achieved some new state on the screen, it's made the screen look different, right? Nothing wrong with that. Getting into conceptual stuff is a little bit harder to 
you know, internalized. Like it's harder to like do something with prototypal inheritance and come up with a really quick, dirty solution on the screen that says, oh yeah, that's like a cool example of prototypal inheritance because it's just not something you can interact with. So what should you be doing? Things like click events, in general, DOM events, document object model, go look it up. Um, events in the DOM, like what happens when a user clicks on a button? What I did to learn JavaScript, which I suggest everyone do, is to go on CodePen or REPL.IT or Code Sandbox, whatever cloud service provider tool is out there that you want to use to quickly get something on paper that you can see, or Visual Studio Code, whatever, and you have a button. Make a button, click the button, and make that button do something. Doesn't even really matter what. You could click on the button and have the button change colors. This is when you need a little bit of creativity. And if you have zero creativity, we'll get some. There's tons of challenges you can look up out there, but I like doing really weird, janky challenges like that. Like I'd have like a div and I'd have like a paragraph and I'd click the button and then I'd have like the text go into the div or I'd have them change colors or disappear. Just learning how to manipulate the DOM through JavaScript is really, really powerful because that's ultimately what you're going to want to do with it. Whether you're submitting a form, you're capturing elements and their values and you're sending them somewhere, that's generally how you want to use JavaScript. So of course, you know, learn the variables and all the structures and stuff like that. Quick plug for Dev30. Parsity has a program called Dev30. So if you want to learn JavaScript with others in a community with some really amazing instructors for you know, next to nothing. And you can also apply this to your tuition. Check it out. It's really good. Anyway, you can also learn it on Codecademy for sure. You just need to learn enough to do these things with DOM manipulation. So you have the basics of JavaScript, like declaring variables, conditional statements. You can make something happen in the DOM. Next, I would do this test. This is your litmus test. I want you to create a form. The form should have like a name field, an email field, a checkbox, and a submit button. And you should make it so that that form is only enabled. Basically, that submit button is only clickable when all those fields are filled out. And when they do click submit, the form should go back to its pristine state, meaning it should get like back to blank, right? It should have nothing in the form anymore. And you should take the data that's on that form and submit it to an API like type of code. Now I actually have a challenge like this and you can reach out and I'll send it to you and you can check it out. And if you pass the challenge, consider that your acceptance into Parsity. I mean, you still gotta pay, but you're, you're at least accepted into the program. If you can do that, it tells me that, okay, this person knows enough JavaScript to be dangerous and you'd be shocked how many people fail this challenge. I have this challenge in a document that I send out to people. And yeah, you'd be shocked how many people can't get it down. It's, it's, it's not easy. I'm not meaning to say that you should just know how to do this. If you're used to using frameworks, which we'll get to in a second, then this may be one of those things you just don't normally do in the course of your day, which is totally fine. But if you can do it, again, you're a shoo-in. You're, you're the kind of person that's going to do really well in this program, and I want to talk to you, and I think you're a stud. Anyway, doing this form challenge is going to be your litmus test. You say, okay, I know enough. Now, we didn't cover things like ES6 and array manipulation, and there's just so much to learn. But if you can do this basic task, I think that's like a really good indication. Now, I mentioned the word API, and maybe some people are scratching their head. APIs, basically a way for you to interact with a program that you do not own, typically over a URL. So you'll make a request over a URL. And usually when you make a request to a URL, you're, you're typing it in your, your, your navigation, like google.com. And you're making a request and that you're sending that request to a server, that server is responding with some files, 
right? Like HTML, CSS, JavaScript files. And then your browser renders that and shows you a web page. That's the typical request response cycle that we're used to. An API is similar, but has a different format that it will return the data. So an API, instead, you'll send a request, usually over URL, to an endpoint, basically the URL. And that endpoint will respond with some JSON, some JavaScript object notation. And for all intents and purposes, you can think of it like an array full of JavaScript objects. So using these is when your superpower with JavaScript really expands. This will really open up a whole lot of cool, fun things you can do when you start using APIs because now you're no longer just regulated to like what you've created and your data. You can now use other people's data or you can explore data from other sources like maybe you want to look at the New York Times API and then get some data from there. Maybe you want to use Google in conjunction with the New York Times API and get a person's like their location using Google's location API and get like their coordinates feed those coordinates to the New York Times API to get uh, stories that happen to be around that area. I don't, there, there's all sorts of weird ways you can go with this. Once you start exploring APIs with JavaScript, this will naturally lead you down all sorts of cool windy paths where you're having to get data back in, in, a, in this JSON format, iterate over it, and then display it on the screen. This is where you should be. Now, once you get to the point where you're okay working with APIs, you kind of understand, okay, I make this asynchronous request, get some data back, I'm fetching some stuff, I'm displaying it on the screen, I've passed this form challenge. Now, now my friend, you are finally ready to move into a framework. A framework that you should pick, there's so many out there. Uh, Angular, Vue, Ember, React, Other. <laughs> I'm gonna make this real simple for you, okay? Choose React because literally everybody is using it. Well, not literally, but everybody's using React and it's not even close. So I know that there's people out there who's like, oh, no, you, you should learn Vue. It's way better. And oh, no, Angular is so much better. It's a better If you want to be hireable and you want to pick the safest bet to be hireable, learn React, okay? So now you need to take the old projects you did that now include, you know, you have your markup, your CSS, your, your framework for CSS, Bootstrap. You've made it responsive. You've made it look okay. I want you to take that same project and redo it this time in React. Now, React is weird because you can't really just use React on its own. It's a library, and it typically is housed within a framework. The framework that you should choose in 2023 and going forward into 2024 is Next.js. Now, this is a big departure because it used to be Create React app that you would choose. That is not the case anymore. Once you use Next.js, you're going to come to another decision point, like this, this like mountaintop in your web dev journey where you've reached the peak of one mountain with JavaScript and you've seen, oh my God, there's so much more to learn. When you get to that next peak, you're going to look at Next.js like, oh no, this opened up a whole other can of worms and now I got to learn. And Next.js is difficult. I'll be honest. It's difficult from a mindset perspective because now it's introduced like server-side rendering, uh, client-side rendering, static site generation, incremental, all these acronyms that are like difficult to wrap your head around because you're like, wait, what? I just wanted to write some React code, and I just wanted something cool to look on the screen. <laughs> and now here I am wrestling with Next.js. First off, if you're going to use Next.js, it has awesome documentation. The React dev docs have awesome documentation. They'll walk you through how to do the basic stuff. You know, we could spend hours talking about all the different things with React you need to learn. Those two sources for documentation are going to be incredibly popular for you. I wouldn't get too caught up, though, 
and all these different flavors of rendering sites and all that kind of stuff. Don't get caught up in that. Make the same things that you were doing before happen, but now using React. So use state, use effect, you know, call an API, figure out how do routes work in Next.js? How do I have a multi-page application? Now I should have like a multi-page app. And this multi-page app should include fetching data from APIs. And it should also include some styling to make it actually look nice. Now you should be thinking about, hmm, what if I wanted to deploy this application? Now we're going to get into deployments. What should I be using to deploy this application? How can I expose this to the whole world so they can enjoy my beautiful app that I've made? And by the way, this portfolio project, whatever you're making, no one really cares, right? No one's going to sit down in an interview and say, can you show me your portfolio project and let's pick it apart? They don't really care. I mean, of course, some people get that in an interview, but most people, they'll ask you this question. They're going to say, hey, can you walk me through an interesting project and a technical challenge that you faced during this project? That is when you can talk about the project you made, right? And it's not to show it off how beautiful it is or anything like that. No one really cares. Also think about this. If you're working as a developer at a private company or a company that's not public or something, and you've worked on an app for, you know, a few years, and you go to the next company and they say, hey, we want to see what you've been working on. You say, well, no, you can't. Because, like, I can't share that code with you, you fool. That code belongs to my other company that's a startup in stealth mode. Yeah, no one's going to ask for that stuff because it's really, it's just a weird thing to ask for. Anyway... Get away from the idea that you need to build something really, 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 really beautiful or publicly appealing. You just need to get something out there that works, right? So now you're thinking, okay, how do I get this onto the web? You have a few choices for cloud service providers, basically people that are going to host your app. And at this time, you only have a front-end app. You should be calling some APIs. Maybe you're thinking, well, how can I like make it so when a user refreshes the screen, they don't just get like all their data lost. Now you're thinking about hmm, local storage. How can I use browser APIs to maybe store data so that in between refreshes, you still get something? <clears throat> this will lead you down a bunch of other interesting rabbit holes. But now I want you to focus on deploying this application. So you have a few choices with Next.js. You have Vercel and you have AWS. You also have things like render.com. Heroku, for sure do not use that anymore. I think it's really outdated. It's a great tool and service i just would say it's not like an industry standard to use heroku so like the things you're more likely to come across in reality are going to be aws by far amazon web services by far is the tool that everybody uses to deploy and host their applications for sale is now becoming is now eating up some market share though and i think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch so to be safe if i had to balance out ease of use with potential popularity and use, I would go with Vercel. It's going to make your life really easy. It connects directly to your GitHub account and to, to a branch. So when you push to a Git branch, it will automatically deploy on Vercel and you kind of get to just witness the magic. You don't really have to do anything. Now, AWS has a similar tool called Amplify, which essentially abstracts the whole build process of like building up your app and, and getting it out there. And then you can have something online, and this will present a whole other host of problems that you'll have. You'll, you'll realize that some things work locally that don't quite work out there in the out there in the real world, out there in, in, in a, on a live URL. So one, a few things we glossed over between you know HTML and CSS and deploying your own app now in Vercel is uh, version control. So you'll need to learn Git and GitHub, and learning these things can be fairly difficult version control, especially when you're working on a team of one and you don't really see the benefit of doing it. 
But you're going to need to learn Git and GitHub because every single company uses GitHub, Bitbucket, GitLab, really the same thing. <laughs> They're all forms of version control using Git syntax. And so it's learning how to use your command line to actually say, hey, I want to put this local folder <clears throat> on my machine. I want to store it on the cloud in GitHub or Bitbucket or some cloud provider. And I want to store versions of this. And so every time you make some significant amount of changes, you should be adding that set of changes to GitHub. It's a good frame of mind to get into to learn to say, okay, I've made some changes. I want to capture these changes and make a version of them. I'm going to send this to GitHub and I'm going to commit my changes. And this way you can go back and look at, oh, you know what? I, me I messed up. Let me go back to a previous version of this. If you want to get fancy with GitHub, I would suggest looking into branching strategies early on. So when you start deploying stuff, you should think, well, wait a second, do I want to really deploy every single time that I push to master? Is that really what I want? What if I don't necessarily want to just push what I did? What if like my customers or, you know, imagine if you did have customers, would you want to make that every single commit makes a new live version? Or would you want to have some sort of quality control in between that? For example, would you want to have two branches, maybe production and maybe staging? So maybe making or a dev branch. <clears throat> maybe this dev branch has its own dedicated environment and you can push things to the dev branch. You're convinced. You say, I made some changes. I made the banner blue. I'm going to first put this change to my dev branch. I'm going to merge it to dev and I'm going to see what it looks like. Oh, you know what? It didn't quite look the way I wanted to. Thank God I didn't put that to my live customers at my other URL because then they'd be treated to this terrible blue banner. And then you say, cool. But then maybe you change it to green and you say, cool. I like how it looks on dev. Now that I've confirmed that it looks good on this other site, this dev environment, which is at another URL that is also live that people might not normally go to. Now I'm going to put it to my real one, my production version of my site. This will give you that opportunity to understand branching strategies, learning how to have different environments. This is what I would consider more of an advanced topic, something that's not completely necessary, but learning how to use Git and GitHub at a very basic level is really important. In a very basic level, learning how to commit and learning how to check out previous versions of your commits and learning how to do things like revert a commit would be, I think, really, really good things to learn to get a decent, solid hang of Git. Lastly, how do you just learn, right? There's so many places out there to learn. You could go to like Parsity, for example. You could go to App Academy or you could go down the YouTube uh, rabbit hole or you could do Udemy or whatever it is. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to learn at all, right? I think you can choose any one of these things. I think, I, but I think you need to make it sure that you're having a point where you say, okay, this is enough because you could spend months on potentially years on some of these topics and not get many places. A lot of people get stuck in the Next.js portion or the JavaScript portion. They spend an inordinate amount of time there. Remember, this is a career that will last ideally for your life. If you get into software engineering and you want to make it a career and you're thinking I'm 20 or 30 or 40 and you thinking, well, if I'm going to retire at 70 or 65 or whatever it is, that's decades of your life spent learning, which is your job as a software engineer to continue learning. So you're never going to learn everything in one go. In fact, it'd be really boring if you did. Imagine if you just learned all of JavaScript in like six months or a year or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I just know everything now. I'm done. <laughs> be pretty, you know, 
kind of deflating, right? If you just did the same thing over and over for the next 35 years. So don't get too caught up in learning it all. Get caught up in learning it, how to leverage it enough to actually build something useful and interesting and just kind of get janky stuff out that teaches you these concepts. Put it out there, deploy it, and then go back, go to the next stage. And then finally, once you've done all this stuff, you've deployed your thing, you're I think this is the point you are ready, my friend, to start applying. And that will lead you to another game to play. Now that you have the technical foundation, you're barely hireable. You're going to get the rest of your education on the job, which is really where your learning will take off and accelerate beyond your belief. But in order to get that education, in order to get to that next part of your education, you're going to have to be employable. And we'll talk about that on another episode where I will dive deep into how I would be using LinkedIn how I would be getting jobs, how I've seen people get jobs, how I've helped other developers get jobs that came from non-traditional backgrounds, how I myself got a job, and that, that whole game, which is a completely different game to play that really has nothing to do with your technical foundation. This is a separate skill you'll have to develop and adopt in order to be actually hireable and get paid the big, big bucks on the market. I hope that was helpful. And as usual, I've glazed and glossed over a lot of things. There's only so much you can really cover about how to get into web development, go from like zero to full stack and be hireable in that time. I notably left out a lot of like backend stuff. We didn't talk about databases or Node Express or other things that we have in the curriculum at Parsity. But I think this is just barely enough for you to get started and become hireable as a web developer. Definitely talk about backend stuff in another episode. Hope that was helpful and see you around. That'll do it for today's episode of the Develop Yourself podcast. To learn more about becoming a software engineer with us, then check out Parsity.io. If you're not quite ready for that, then jump into our Dev30.xyz program, which is 30 days of working on your mindset, habits, and JavaScript skills. Totally worth it. See you next week.